This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Colgate, you have black Colgate, magic. You, we need answers. The fucking voodoo magic. The fuck? Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Madison Malone-Kircher. You're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. And today we're taking it analog? That's right. We're talking about holiday cards. The ones you, you know, write down on paper. Put in an envelope. Put a stamp on. Lick the envelope. I said envelope twice. You get the point. We're talking about holiday cards because the Washington Post has claimed that apparently millennials are sending more holiday cards. And I gotta say, I thought the genre of article was over. I thought we had collectively stopped. <laughs> well, this doesn't fall into the genre. The genre you're talking about is millennials killing things. Oh, the oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. I do need to say... I read that article just before we uh, sat down to record this episode, and there's now a correction appended to the top that the study they were using wasn't <laughs> solid enough to actually. Uh, oh my form god! The thesis that millennials are bringing back the holiday card. This is what happens when you publish preprints, like or non-peer-reviewed studies. This happened all the time with COVID. People would jump on whatever study that came out, and now apparently we're doing it with millennials and holiday cards. I mean, yes, Rachel, those are two uh, equivalent yes. issues. Mm-hmm. COVID issue. data and mm-hmm. millennials are mailing red and green cards. It's all misinformation, Madison. <laughs> are you sending Christmas cards? Um, okay, I have to reveal something about myself that I haven't yet on this podcast. Oh, show your ass. <laughs> oh, so I just want to preface this by saying this is not an age-specific thing. My friends also think I'm an idiot. I have an aversion to the post office. Like, I don't know why, but the concept of mailing things stresses me out to the point that I fully just don't. Like, I I have not returned a single item of clothing that I've needed to in at least five years. I just keep it. Like, I just bite that money. I know, I know, Madison. I also don't think it makes sense. I'm going to mention Zara. I would rather go to Soho and return it in person than figure out how to go (laughs) to the post office and return this package i cannot explain to you why madison wait literally i have one more anecdote literally we did this project (laughs) where we were contacting people who are incarcerated about their political views and the only way to get in contact is to send physical letters and the most stressful part of that project was sending the letters i was just like how where's the where's the stamp go (laughs) what Uh, side does the stamp go on (laughs) the woman was too stunned to speak (laughs) I feel like I could turn a profit if I <laughs> took a cut of the return money and just did your returns for you. Oh, Madison, I would pay you for that. Yeah, 100%. Like, you could 100% turn a profit if you just took my stuff to the post office for me. Like, <laughs> I have, like, this little, I have bags of things <laughs> in my office. <laughs> I feel like I'm learning so much about you. None of it good. <laughs> now that I've I've fully ushered myself into, you know, a new embarrassing realm, are you mailing holiday cards? In what is perhaps the most unsurprising discrepancy between the two of us, 
I love mail. I have friends who I communicate with almost exclusively via stamped letters. Oh my God. I think this came from being a Girl Scout camp kid Mm, mm -hmm. growing up in the like 90s, 2000s and like mail was the greatest thing. So I do love mail. However, I'm not sending holiday cards. What? That's, it seems like extremely your shit. My dear sweet partner is a graphic designer and I'm not mad Rebecca, if you're listening, you're probably not. I'm not mad, but <laughs> turns out graphic designers are like morally opposed to sending out a pre-printed stock card from oh. minted.com or whatever. Mm, but like, and you need to give them more lead time if you need a custom designed Christmas card. Wow. But I'm not mad. <laughs> so what you're telling me is you would have had to tell your partner in like what, September that you wanted this? <laughs> Maybe July. Wow. The supply chain really is breaking down. <laughs> Precisely. So no holiday <laughs> cards from me or Rachel this year. If you're listening to this show, this is the closest thing you're getting to a, a picture of us in ugly sweaters. Happy holidays. <laughs> Rachel, I'm almost nervous to keep going with this episode, knowing what we now know about your postophobia. Uh, but we are... In fact, opening up the mailbag for another episode of Red Receipts. I want to see the receipts. Okay, to be clear, I love opening mail. I love getting things. It is sending it back that <laughs> stresses me out. So this is perfect for me. Also, it's read receipts. <laughs> when we come back from the break, we will open some mail. Do not expect a return letter. No. <laughs> See you in a minute. Hey, listeners. I'm here to tell you about a new podcast from The Atlantic called The Review. Each week, The Atlantic's team of writers will challenge you to not just watch a movie, but to understand it. To not just hear a song, but consider what it has to say. Join the roundtable as they break down a work of pop culture each week, exploring the big questions that art can provoke, making some recommendations for you, and having a little fun along the way. Find the review at theatlantic.com or on your favorite podcast app. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Our very first question is from our listener, Mary, and it is about toothpaste and TikTok. Minty fresh. Never thought I would say those two things together on this podcast. Those tooth things? No. <laughs> hey, ICYMI. 
I'm not sure if I'm seeing this because I haven't logged on to TikTok a lot recently and it's forgotten everything it knows about me, or if this is a real trend, but what the fuck is happening with all these TikToks about people cutting open tubes of toothpaste and mixing the toothpaste around in the tube and then squeezing it out and it still comes out stripey? Am I the only one who's seeing this? What the fuck is this about? Okay, there's actually a two-part answer to this, which is A... This trend that you're noticing is not just you. It's, in fact, intensely popular, which is why it's appearing on your FYP if you haven't logged on for a while. TikTok does kind of forget what you want to see if you haven't logged on in a while, so they'll serve you the most popular content that's currently on the app. Um, The kind of fun thing to do if you just don't want the, the algorithms to learn anything about you is to just watch everything, and then it just kind of freaks out. But anyway, this trend seems to have started with a man named Ryan Battistella, who, on November 25th, uploaded a TikTok that's now been viewed three million times. Okay, yeah, mix that up. Ah, so this is some Rid- Riddle me this. It's like a swirly, stripy-looking... So, in this video, two men are standing in a bathroom together, and they're holding a tube of Colgate toothpaste, and they're just, like, squeezing it around trying to mix it inside the tube yes and then they figure out that when they they put a little bit on their toothbrush and there's still stripes how the fuck does it still what come the out fucking shit why and then both of those should be mixed and blended up all jibbled up together what the fuck is happening right now i don't know what prompted this video but it it has currently about three million views and almost two thousand comments a lot of which we're kind of along the lines of, you absolute dummy. <laughs> the reason that this doesn't work is because there's like two different tubes in the toothpaste and it's always going to come out stripey or the stuff that you mixed up was at the top of the tube and you only squeeze out the stuff at the bottom. So Ryan, as one does, sets out to defend his honor with a video uploaded two days later that now has 10.7 million views. Still stripes. Wow, that is quite a sound. Still fucking stripes. This Look is at foul. That. It's still fucking stripes. Get all that. All that. He mixes it up and he basically dumps the entire tube of toothpaste into the toilet. It makes some very unpleasant sounds. But he's basically proving it's not just the, the toothpaste that's at the bottom of the tube. It's the all the way through. It all stays stripey. And then at one point at the end, he cuts it open so that you can see inside the toothpaste and see that there's not two tubes. So basically he's like, what the fuck is happening here? Where the fuck is there two bags? Where, look, it's all mixed it's up. It's all mixed up in there. It's all mixed up in there, but it still comes out with the stripes. How? What the fuck? Okay, so this is one person. How does it become a, a trend so, so large that it is taking over Mary's For You page? Yeah, so you've probably seen the genre of TikToks. Like, the, I'm going to describe it as factor cap, basically, where, <laughs> yeah. Cap. Mm-hmm. There's some yeah, genre. Uncap the toothpaste. There's. So basically, it's like these videos where someone's demonstrating like a life hack or something that, you know, where it's like, I bet you never knew that this thing was true. Sure, sure. Yeah. So then everyone on the Internet immediately has to try it. The trend that happens is 
people doing this themselves, trying to prove whether or not this is true. So this is when I first bought it. And obviously you can like see the stripes and then I cut it open. And then like, I didn't really touch it there. So you can like kind of see the lines and stuff. So this is when I first mixed it and you can kind of see the lines. I guess I like mixed it too much, but this is me washing it out completely. And you can see it's like empty. So it's completely gray. Okay. So I, I simply now need answers. And I think uh, Mary, Mary also deserves answers. Why the hell do the stripes never go away, Rachel? Okay, so the thing is, they will go away if you mix it thoroughly enough. But the reason this happens is because of something called rheology. And the reason I found that out is because the brands got it on this trend, as they must. And Colgate had their scientists explain what exactly is happening here. Fine. This is the one time a brand is allowed to get involved in a trend because I demand (laughs) answers. So it looks like you guys are really interested in how the stripes in our tubes stay intact. So is it magic? Mm, no. Is it different bags? No. Is it a special nozzle in the cap? No. Is it a portal? No. It's actually two things. One. The two colors of toothpaste resist mixing due to their viscosity. Two. The design of the tube doesn't allow for proper mixing. You would really have to cut open the top and mix all the way to the bottom to create great paste. And that's that. Thanks for your interest in Colgate. That's why it's viscosity and rheology and all these other scientific terms about why these two things will never mix together. But none of them answered the question that I had, which is why does toothpaste have stripes? Is it just for aesthetic? Do the stripes do anything? My toothpaste doesn't have stripes. Do I need to buy striped toothpaste? What's the truth, Colgate? We will never know the fluorite answer. All right, what do we have next up? (laughs) Next up, we have a question that's extremely up my alley. It comes from uh, listener Annie, and it's about Taylor Swift and QAnon. Ooh. (laughs) Okay, it's half up my alley, I should say. (laughs) It was like, uh, Madison. (laughs) Hi, this is Annie in Minneapolis. I'm calling to ask, are QAnon followers and Swifties two sides of the same coin, differing in whether they use the urge to sleuth for neutral good or chaotic evil? Listening to your episode about Taylor Swift dropping hints and patterns and how fans grab for them and um, try to predict the future based on uh, little patterns that they find really reminded me of everything I've read and seen in the past year about QAnon followers and Q drops. And I was wondering, do you do you see anything in this pattern? And do you think QAnon followers could get a more positive fix to the sleuthing addiction by becoming Swifties? Not a fully baked idea. Just want to hear what you think. Take care. Annie, I love the way your brain works also. I'm worried about the way that your brain works. So, Madison, this is this is a question for you, the Swiftologist, PhD in Swiftocracy. That's me. So I'm slightly, more than slightly hesitant to link my beloved Taylor Swift, who, despite being an imperfect person, I mean, who among us, uh, is certainly not trafficking in dangerous and gross conspiracy theories like, you know, QAnon. The kinds of theories that ruin lives and families and countries. And I do think there's a little bit of context we should mention here. Uh, We're going to rewind a few years back to when the alt-right, do you know this? The alt-right was convinced that Taylor Swift was secretly a Nazi. Yes, I do remember this theory. Taylor Swift is not secretly a Nazi. She was a uh, very famous person who sort of chickened out on having any political ideologies in the interest of being a neutral party 
which we can uh, we can fault her for. Uh, but she was not a Nazi. Big difference. So that said, I haven't not thought about the link between QAnon types and Taylor Swift before. A lot of people have thought about this. And I did have a moment when I was listening to the new 10 minute all too well. You've listened, I assume. Oh, yeah. You know the, the new line where she says, uh, you kept me like a secret, but I kept you like an oath. You kept me like a secret, but I kept you like an oath. Sacred prayer. Great line. It is a great line, but I know I've been on the internet too long because my immediate thought was, oh no, they're going to think she's talking directly to them. Uh, they being the oath keepers who are a far right so-called militia who have uh, tasked themselves with uh, defending the constitution. January 6th types. Oh no, our democracy, our democracy. Oh. is broken. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> we spend too much time together. So where I net out to Annie's question is that I agree. There is definitely some similarities to the secret messages that are left by Q and left by T. Ooh. Uh, but I don't feel like these are two sides of the same coin. I'd have to say they're completely different coins. I actually have a question for you. Where do you yeah. think that like the true crime ofification of like the internet falls on this coin scale? The kind of Gabby Petito investigations or even the Couch Guy investigations. Would you say Taylor Swift is closer to them? I think what I'm getting at in trying not to link QAnon and Taylor Swift is that Taylor Swift uh, leaves breadcrumb trails and ridiculous clues, but also the albums come out when she says the albums are going to come out. Like, She's not ever lying. She's actually leaving clues and puzzles that if you follow them correctly, yield answers. Mm. With QAnon or with somebody spinning tales about how Gabby Petito is alive and living in Puerto Rico, that's so much more malicious. Definitely. After the break, we're going to be back with questions about possum memes and uh, just reveal how much time we spend on our goddamn phones. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance— then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. All right, so we're back with possum memes. 
Yeah, we got some possum memes. Opossum? Is the O silent? The O is, can be silent. I'll decide which one I'm going to stick with by the end of this episode. But the reason we're talking about this is because we got a voicemail from listener Sarah about possum, opossum memes. Hey, Rachel and Madison. What is with all of the memes of possums on Instagram that I have been seeing lately? There's these memes of like possums and raccoons with text over them that looks like word art from like a 2003 elementary school assignment in Microsoft Word. Where did these come from? And why are they suddenly all over my Instagram Explore page? Can you please enlighten me? I'm glad that Sarah mentioned raccoons because that's what I think of as like the internet's favorite chaotic animal, but possum is definitely up there. I mean, I get it. Like, if you look at a possum, this is a creature that contains multitudes. They can mm-hmm. be adorable. They mm-hmm. can be terrifying. True. Their angry little faces kind of look like they have opinions about everything, which is fun to anthropomorphize. They're nocturnal, much like everyone on the internet. And unlike some animals, they can actually be trained by humans. So you occasionally see a video of like a gussied up possum doing a trick. So that's fun as well. Wow, I would have thought that was impossible. Sarah isn't the first to ask about the internet's collective obsession with possums. There is, in fact, a whole Know Your Meme about this. If you can't tell, we love Know Your Meme on this podcast. And way back in the happier time of 2018, the Daily Dot... Were we happy then? We were happier than we are now. Fair. (laughs) The Daily Dot wrote a piece about how possums became a lovable internet meme for pretty much the reasons that Madison outlined, which is that they're kind of angry and also a little bit mischievous and also cute. And I don't know, man, that kind of feels like something we all wish that we could be. But the specific memes that Sarah points to are like photos on Instagram of possums photoshopped with like the word art used to fuck around with when you were like seven and had free time in your computer class. I was making art, Rachel. Uh Uh-huh. And (laughs) the words over these photos of possums read shit like arson. Oh, you mean crime brulee. Or I got 99 problems. I caused 87 of them. Or life update. It got worse. (laughs) Or my favorite slash the one that confuses me the most, wake up, brother, we must avenge Waterloo. Where did you find these? (laughs) I literally just looked up possum meme on Instagram and looked through the results. (laughs) Like, this is what comes up. (laughs) Because there are so many of them and all of them have like more than... 20,000 like 20,000 likes their entire meme page is just dedicated to making these word art things that Sarah's pointing to and I don't know to me it feels like the kind of natural progression of the internet's obsession with cats it feels like the kind of chaotic inverse of the like previous I am a small bean moment we were in in like 2013 you know I can see it I can see it we're all just a little bit more world weary now a little angrier And so the avatar of the internet's collective id is no longer a cat hanging from a tree saying, hang in there, but a trash-eating marsupial talking about arson. Who looks like it might eat your face off. Or let you give it a cookie. I'll let you go first. I'm less scared of the possum in the post office, I gotta say. That's a lie. I once ran away from a possum on the street. (laughs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) What do you think happens to people at the post office? (laughs) I don't know. 
<laughs> it feels like a liminal space. <laughs> it's not that I haven't been there before I have. I just prefer not to go. I, I don't even know how to go on with this knowledge. All right. Our last question comes from at Cressy K on Twitter, uh, who wanted to know uh, our weekly screen times, the little report that your iPhone will give you about how much time you spent having blue light pouring into your eyeballs on any given day. I feel like I'll go first because I can't I can't answer this question for you because I literally turned mine off because it made me feel bad. <laughs> if that's any indication of how much time I spend on my phone. And that's not even like I don't even my phone and my laptop aren't fully synced, so I don't it, that doesn't even count how many hours I spend on my laptop. It's a lot. I'm looking at this and it's not great. Uh, my daily average is six hours. That's a lot. Cause that doesn't include how, that doesn't include being on your laptop. (laughs) Well, I mean, okay. I will say that we got this question a day before we began recording this episode. So I did temporarily turn on my little screen time recordings to see if I could get some data in 24 hours. Oh no. (laughs) I hate this so much. So my daily average is like four hours and 16 minutes, which like fine, whatever. But I think the most embarrassing part of that is that apparently I spent two hours and 41 minutes this week playing dots on my phone. (laughs) I mean, I'm more embarrassed by the apparent hour and 28 minutes I spent in the clock app. (laughs) What were you doing in there? I have no idea. I feel like I should reclaim some of this time. Cressy, thank you. This was the wake-up call I needed. Uh, I will be throwing my phone in the East River post-haste. I'm turning this feature back off. Thank you for traumatizing me. (laughs) I'll never live without this knowledge ever again. All right, that's the show. We will be back in your feed on Wednesday, so definitely subscribe. The show is free, and it's the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. Plus, you'll be able to keep that screen time up because you're probably listening on a phone. Leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcast, and maybe tell a friend about us. You can also follow us on Twitter. We are at ICYMI underscore pod. We love DMs with questions. Also, if you head over there this week uh, and you listen to our episode on Wednesday, you'll remember we talked about those cringy hinge voice memos that people are using in an attempt to secure dates slash dick. Uh, Well, Rachel and I made our own. And as always, our email is icymi at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. We're edited by Forrest Wickman and Allegra Frank. And Alicia Montgomery is executive producer of Slate Podcast. And a special shout out to Amber Smith. See you online. Or at the post office, unless you're Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Yeah? What do you call a dentist who doesn't like tea? God. We've entered a new era of jokes. What what do you call a dentist that doesn't like tea? Dennis. Uh. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) now that I've been tortured...